So have you ever wanted to do something, but you didn't feel you were qualified? Anybody here this morning? Didn't feel qualified, didn't feel good enough. Long to do something more than, than you feel you, 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 you could, or, or, or you long to do more with your life, but just felt like you, you just couldn't, you were held back for whatever reason, and you had restraints, and I, I felt that. But I, I remember I was, I was 10, 11 years old, and I would spend a couple weeks with my grandparents in southwest Missouri, and one, one, uh, one evening my grandfather put me on this motorcycle, we were driving around, I had shorts on, a little tank top, and and uh, there was a rodeo. We stopped in the rodeo and walked in, and, and it was a lot of people around there. And, and uh, I'm just standing there at the fence, you know. Everyone's in the stands, but I'm just mesmerized by, by these bull riders. And uh, my grandpa's standing there with some popcorn in his hand. He goes, what do you think about that? I said, that's amazing. Gramps, that's, a, that's absolutely amazing. He goes, you can do that. I said, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, if you want to do that, you can do it. And uh, I'm thinking, what? And he walked up into the stands and he took a seat and I stood there for 30 minutes looking through the fence, watching these bull riders. I'm watching how they held their hands, how they kicked their feet, how they put that arm back like that, how they jerked their head off their shoulders, how they fell off. I'm thinking to myself, I can do this. My grandpa said, I can do this. I can do this. They're waiting for me to sign up. Can I do this? Can I do this? And for 30 minutes, I just went through this like routine. Can I do this? And I, I can do this. I, I'm scared to death, but I can do this. And I, finally, I walked up to the stands. My grandpa's sitting there. And I said, Gramps? He goes, yeah. I says, I'm ready. He said, ready for what? I said, I'm ready to ride a bull. He goes, what are you talking about? You said, I said, you said I could ride a bull. He goes, are you kidding me? That thing will kill you. Sit down here. I said, what you said? He goes, I was just playing with you. Come on, sit down. You I can't ride a bull. How many of you have ever been in that situation in your life where you, you gathered all the strength in your, your guts and your mind and your heart, all the courage to do something only to find that it didn't quite work out the way you planned? I want you to know that God is not that kind of God. When God says you can, you can. When God says you are, you are. And God has invited you into an incredible relationship to experience things in a whole other dimension than perhaps you've ever experienced before. So many of us in this world have lived so much of our life living in the natural dimension, I would call it, in the, in the world, in the, in the world that we can sense or um, see or feel or smell or touch. Uh, in our own thinking, in our own mind, we, we limit ourselves to so many so many um, limitations, but God is asking us and challenging us, do you believe that there's a whole other dimension? And, and, and yes, we believe. Many of us here have accepted Jesus into our heart. We've invited him to, to take over the ownership of our life, and we've entered into this incredible relationship, but, but there's so much more that God wants to take you into. And, and there's a reason why, why, why you're called, you know, a, a child of God. He, he wants you to experience a heavenly dimension, not just live in a spiritual, excuse me, a natural dimension that we're so used to. And so I believe that's been God's plan all along and all, all the way from the garden, you know, and the, Adam and Eve, he, he came and he, he allowed them to experience, yes, a, a garden, but, but the presence of God that created the garden. Come on, it's more than experiencing what God has created, but experiencing the one who created what you've enjoy, you're enjoying. Come on, somebody say Amen. And so God has always wanted a people to be in relationship with. 
And even after Adam and Eve fell, you know, God's like, okay, we got to figure this out. And, and we, I, I still want to be in relationship. And he found this guy named Abraham. And through Abraham, he had this incredible relationship. He would talk with him and, and, and move through his life. And Abraham would respond. And Abraham, through his lineage, created this entire nation that believed in God. But God wanted to take it further. In Exodus chapter 19, I want to read this passage of Scripture because here was God's plan all along on the first day of the third month after the Israelites had left Egypt. So they've been in captivity for over 400 years and now they've left Egypt. And on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. And after, the, after they had set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. And then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings. Everybody say eagle's wings. And I brought you to myself. And now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of the, all the nations you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're a priest. And a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. I want you to notice verse four, I'm gonna carry you on eagle's wings. Verse six, you will be for me a kingdom of priests. God had brought the Israelites out of Egypt, you know the story. It was what we now call Passover night. The death angel was sweeping across Egypt and God was working on getting them out of this bad place that they had been for 400 years. And, and he says, I, I want you to all gather together in, in a home, in a house. I want you to find a lamb. I want you to get this unblemished lamb. I want you to kill the lamb. I want you to eat all of the lamb. I want you to put blood on the doorposts of your house and I will pass over. I will, not, I will not bring death to your home. I will pass over your home. Why we get the word Passover. This all speaks to us, that whole interplay speaks to us of, of salvation. We, we receive Christ, the, the perfect lamb of God into our hearts. And then God took him out of Egypt and had him cross the Red Sea, speaking to us of water baptism. And now they find themselves at the foot of Mount Sinai, at the foot of a mountain. Can I tell you, it's, an ex it's exactly 50 days after they had come out of Egypt. 50 days, exactly. Can I also tell you that if you go to the book of Acts, after they experienced and ate of Jesus in his life, and after they experienced the incredible life that Jesus had to offer, 50 days after Jesus was resurrected, God brought them to an upper room and he came in with a, a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire lit upon their head and the manifestation of the power of God came upon their life and God came and breathed upon them exactly 50 days just like he had done centuries before with the Israelites and Moses at the Mount Sinai. 
Now he does it afresh, anew, here in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. What was this all about? God was wanting the Israelites there in the wilderness to see an entirely different realm of existence than what they were familiar with. They lived in Egypt for 400 years. All they knew was slavery and bondage and hard work and sweat and tears and pain and groaning and disappointments. God brings them out and exactly 50 days later, he brings them to a mountain to show them himself. God didn't save you and didn't baptize you and redeem you and restore you just so you could call yourself a Christian, have a free ticket into heaven. He called you out so he could reveal himself to you and so you could walk out of this, in this earth on a whole different realm, on a whole different plane, a spiritual dimension that he would reveal himself to you. You're, if you're just saved and just thank you, you punch your ticket and all is good and you go to church from time to time and just kind of ease the guilt that perhaps you have or whatever reasons you come, but there's nothing inside of you driving you to know and have a deeper relationship with a loving God, to hear his voice, uh, to move according to his spirit into the earth, uh, to see incredible miracles and manifestations of, of the work of God in your life. If there's nothing inside of you driving you to that point, uh, then really, what are you even doing? God's brought you out to take you in, into what? Into his heart, into his life, into a whole other experience uh, with a living God. And so God wants to reveal himself to them in a spiritual dimension. He wants to reveal himself. Now these people have been in Egypt for all this time. They didn't know anything about this spiritual, a spiritual dimension. All they knew was bricks, straw, Feels labor. They didn't know. So, but this guy comes bowling in to town, saying, "Listen, there's a whole other realm." I, I was out in the desert, Moses says, and I, I saw a bush on fire, which was not unusual at that time. But to see a bush on fire that was not burning up is a whole other dimension. He's, 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 he's I got to go see this. It's this thing's not burning. It just keeps burning, burning, burning. So he goes, and, and, and out of this burning bush, he begins to experience a spiritual dimension because God was in the bush, and God begins to speak to him in the midst of the fiery bush. Tells him, take your shoes off. I'm going to use you. We're going to do some things together. We're going to deliver a, a people, and we're going to bring them out of bondage. And God's like, listen to the Lord. He's having this spiritual experience. And, and God says, you, you, listen, my hand's upon you. You don't believe me? Throw your staff down. And he throws his staff down and it turns into a snake. About that time, it would have been me, all of Israel, all of Israel in Egypt would have been lost forever. I'm, I'm gone. I'm sorry. I mean, because uh, God said, pick that snake up. And I would have been like, mm, you got the wrong Moses. Not happening, but Moses reached down and he grabbed that snake by the tail and it turned back into a rod again. And then God says, take your hand and put it in your cloak. He takes his hand, puts it in his cloak, pulls it out, and it's leprous. Uh, it's all full of leprosy. He says, now put it back, puts it back in, pulls it out again. It's clean, it's, it's healed, it's, it's normal again. 
And God's convincing him that there is something bigger and greater than the, the sheep and, and, and the hot desert sun that he's been knowing for so long, that there's, a, there's something greater that he can experience. And, and, he, and, he, and he puts this fire in his gut and he goes back into Egypt and he dismantles the most powerful nation in the world through the hand of God upon his life, rips the people out. 50 days later, they show up at the foot of Mount Sinai. And these people have no idea about this God that Moses has just been experiencing in the last few weeks and months of his life. And God says to Israel, I want you to come to this mountain. I want to reveal myself to you. I want to reveal, if you would, I want to reveal Pentecost to you. I'm I'm going to come down. I'm going to show myself and I'm going to restore a personal relationship with you. I'm going to restore the Abrahamic covenant with you. I want to make a whole nation of priests out of you, a whole nation of people that I can come and mingle with and talk with and love on and they can go into the world and do my bidding. I I want you to hear my voice. I, I want a kingdom of priests that will get my game plan, that will hear their assignment to attain their purpose and direction, will get to know me and as their deliverer and become my hand in the earth. I I want this kind of relationship with you. Here we go. I'm going to reveal myself to you. And here's what happens. Exodus 20. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. And they stayed at a distance and said to Moses, "Uh, (laughs) uh, speak to us yourself and we'll listen. But don't have, don't have God speak to us. We'll die. So Moses said to the people, come on. Come on, guys. Don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that, that, you, that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. But the people remained at a distance. One of the saddest verses in the scripture. God's saying, come to me and And the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. The problem was they saw how great and awesome God was and they backed off and they said to to Moses, you go talk to God for us. We don't want to have anything to do with this, this powerful God. I remember growing up in a particular church and, and I was taught at a very young age that, 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 that you don't mess with God. God's big and, and you fear God. And when we walk into that, that church building, we're going to walk in. You're not going to say nothing. You're going to sit there. You're going to be quiet and you're going to do whatever they tell you to do. And you're going to stand up. You're going to sit down and then you're going to walk out quiet. It was the most miserable hour of my life. There was no joy. There was no happiness. Uh, I had polyester pants. I slid out of those wooden pews uh, so fast. I couldn't. I just spent the whole time. My feet wouldn't touch the floor just trying to get up in the pew. My dad's flipping my, my ear with his finger. I'm like, what is this? This is child abuse in God's name. This is what this is. <laughs> I didn't know that this personal relationship with God is something that, that I could have that, that would open up these incredible doors and I, I, could, I could hear God's voice and I, I could move with God and, and, and be his hands in the earth that, that, that God would use me and, and miracles could come. I, 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 I didn't know that there was more than just a ritualistic type of form of religion. I, I was over in Moldova and Ukraine a couple uh, weeks ago, as you know, and and as I was there, we had a, an evening where we, 
weren't doing anything, so they took us down to the uh, town in the middle of the capital, and, and there was a, a there was a an Orthodox church uh, type church there, that, and the, the doors were open. They they were having uh, so, so I said I want to go. I want to go in. I want to I want to experience. You know, and so we went in, and there was just beautiful gold everywhere, beautiful paintings everywhere, and these paintings of saints behind glass, you know, uh, frames and and um, candles and all sorts of things and uh, people singing uh, uh, the singing prayers and singing scriptures, uh, you know, and everything. And, and people were standing there and every time God's name was spoken or sung, they, they would bow their heads and go like this. And, and I was just mesmerized. And about this time, this, this man comes out and he's dressed up in a long robe and a little beanie type thing on his head and he comes out with this this sensor with smoke coming out of it and he starts going before every statue. Some of you may know exactly what I'm talking about. I've never, but he goes in front of every statue and he's like, you know, waving this sensor in front of every statue and every picture of a saint or whatever. And, and, um, and I'm just like watching him and, and, he, and he walks by me and he stops and he just does this in front of me. I'm like, and uh, he just kind of looked at me, and then he did it again. I'm like, am I supposed to do something? I don't, help me out here, Mr. Priest. And uh, then he went on, and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe, you know, <laughs> he thought I needed some help, or, you know, or maybe he thought I was a saint. I don't know what that was about, but I didn't really see him do it to anybody else. I, it was a strange thing. Uh, but anyway, I, I just did, the rest of the team, they left, and they're out there. Finally, they came and got me and grabbed me and said, uh, Pastor JP, everybody's waiting on you. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I left, but I couldn't get that out. The rest of the night, I was ruined. I was, you know why I was ruined? I was ruined because I saw a, a, a room full of people that I genuinely believe loved God. I mean, they wouldn't have been there if they didn't love God. They were desperate. Probably some of them had situations going on in their life and family members that they needed a miracle. They needed an intervention. They needed God. And the best they could do was to go up and kiss a picture of a saint or a prophet or whatever. The best they could do was make the sign of a cross and, and, and bow, the best they could do. And I wanted so desperately, if I'd known the language, I, maybe this, <laughs> I, I, I would probably would have been kicked out because I, I wanted to go to everybody and go, you can have a personal relationship with God. You, you, you and him, you, 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 you don't, you don't, I, I, I'm glad, I'm thankful for the disciples, the apostles, and all these great people have done things. But, but you can, listen, God can make you a great apostle. He, God can make you a great disciple. God can speak to you. You can do great things for God. You don't have to be a beggar. You don't have to be this person that just has to beg for God to come and do something you, through a saint or a priest. You can bypass them. That's why God came and rent the veil from top to bottom when he said it's over, it's done, it's finished. Uh, you can enter in yourself. Oh, my heart was broken. My heart was grieved. And this God brought the Israelites to this mountain and he wants them to know, I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to become a kingdom of priests where me and you talk, we talk, you talk, I talk with you, 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 we all talk and we have a relationship. But they're like, no, no, no. That's too scary for me. I'm not good enough. 
God will kill me. I don't, Moses, you go. You, you be our mediator. One of the most saddest stories in the Bible. And God goes, okay. If you don't want me, then all I know to do is give you laws to live by. I'll give you like this, these 10 commandments. And if you're not gonna hear my voice, if you don't wanna have a conversation with me, you don't wanna do life with me, then I'll just tell you here's how I want you to live and hope you, hope you can do it. And after a while, they realized they couldn't do it. That's why Peter would come along and get this revelation that, that Jesus was, was this, the Lamb of God. It was Jesus all along who said, eat of me. And he gets this revelation that the Israelites missed and said, but you are a chosen people. And you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Come on, somebody, give God some praise for that. We read last week, uh, or in Exodus chapter 19 earlier, where God says, I want to carry you on eagle's wings, and I'm gonna bring you to myself. I'm gonna bring you to myself. I wanna talk about how God uses this eagle reference when talking about bringing us to himself. Isaiah would say in chapter 40, he would say, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They shall soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary, and they will walk, and they will not faint. I want you to know some good news this morning. This is the hour. This is the moment. This is the time to begin to soar and to live and enjoy a heavenly dimension that God has provided for you 2,000 years ago. But unfortunately, most of us don't feel like we'll ever soar like an eagle. We feel like maybe that's something for the more, the more better Christians. Uh, the worship team, you know, we'll, we'll let them soar. Uh, oh, the preacher or the small group leader, well, well you know, may, they kind of got their act together. But for me, I, I, I don't think, you know, I'm there. I don't think I could ever get there. I, I just think I, I need to stay where I'm at. Well, I want to talk to you about a chicken mentality because that's what that is, a chicken mentality. And I want to share the difference between a chicken mentality and an eagle mentality. Because they're both birds, but they both operate in two different dimensions. A chicken, he, he lives with his head down. Because I love you, and because I know you will not make fun of me, I will do my best impersonation of a chicken.
Don't applause too much. I might go on the road with this. But you notice the head is always down. It's always down, always looking down at the ground, at the earth, at the natural life that's in front of him. Oh, but not an eagle. An eagle's head is, is up, filled with vision and purpose and soaring. His head's not down, pecking at the earth. The chicken eats the debris and the garbage and the filth that's been thrown over the fence to them. And they're happy for it, happy for a little lettuce leaf, happy for a little something left over from the scraps of the table that you didn't eat. And they, they, they're, they're, they're happy as, as they can be. They're eating off the garbage of someone else, but not the eagle. The eagle soars. You want to see an eagle eating the, the, the carcass of, of, a, of a dead animal on the side of a road because he don't eat old dead carcasses. He only eats live, fresh, fresh dead meat. He only eats something that's just barely dead. It may not even be dead when he gets a hold of it, but it will be dead in a few minutes. And he eats live, fresh meat, uh, not the chicken. Chicken eats whatever you throw at it. It's that chicken mentality that, that we live in where, where we're just satisfied with the, with the scraps And God wants you to get your eyes up and to see that there's so much more that he has for you. He wants you to have vision. Something greater than you could ever dream or imagine beyond the horizon. A chicken confined to a pen, confined to the laws, confined to the legalism, And this is what Christianity is. Do this and don't do that and do that and don't do this. Confined to this this law type of bondage and yet the eagle soars above the clouds, uh, experiencing the freedom to act as God acts, to think as God thinks, to to speak as God speaks. He's not confined to a religious system, but he's in a relationship with a living God and he he hears what God is saying and he speaks it, he declares it. The chicken just regurgitates something that someone else has already been saying. The chicken can be domesticated, make it a pet, put it in a little pen, and call it a, call it a, a brood, put a little chicken pen. You got all these little chickens, all these little friends of yours that are just chickens, laying little eggs. Get up in the morning, look around, and look for their egg, and the egg's gone because the farmer come in, took it, Lays it again. Where's my egg? The farmer took it again. You would think at some point the chicken would go, you know what, I'm not laying any more eggs. No, he keeps laying the eggs. Hanging around his old brood, his old friends, sitting in in a chicken pen at nighttime. But not the eagle. His heart is in the sky. He lives in loneliness. He lives in loneliness, and he thrives in loneliness. Some people are so scared to be lonely, they'll do everything in their power not to feel like they're lonely. And yet loneliness is only God's call for intimacy. You should be thankful that you have moments of loneliness. 
But we only, we're so scared to be lonely. We get our phone, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, chit-chat, TikTok, talk tick, whatever we want. Just TV, radio, just don't want, don't want to be lonely. And God's like, I'd like to speak to you. If you just mount up on the wings of an eagle and just, and just hang out with me. A chicken scratches out a bare existence, thrives on traditions and religion and just eats a little crumb here, a little garbage there, but not the eagle. He longs to catch the drafts of the wind. And he comes and he catches that draft and takes him up higher and higher, higher than even tall mountains. And he soars high into the thin air. And he gets to experience what chickens will never dream of experiencing. I remember coming home on a daily basis and my mom would be sitting in a chair and there'd be a Bible on her lap and notes and pages, paper around her chair and, 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 and other little commentaries and stuff on, on the little footstool in front of her and, and she'd just be writing out words from the Lord. My mom has a, like a little booklet she's written out of words from God that she, the Lord has given her over her lifetime, I, I, that, that's an eagle life. That's a, that's a person leaning into God to hear what God has to say. A chicken confined to the earth, the atom, nature, the eagle longing for the sky, the, the chicken easy prey for the predators. He had to put a fence around just to protect him. The enemy an easy prey on a chicken, but not the eagle. In fact, the eagle, other than the lion, is one of the most feared animals there are. The, the eagle is in the air what a lion is on the earth. Every other bird fears the eagle. Strong claws and strong winds can literally pick up a deer with his talons and, 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 and flap his wings and, and go. I want you to know this morning God is calling you to soar like an eagle. I want to give you quickly one characteristic of an eagle because we're not going to do six. <laughs> I want to give you one characteristic of an eagle and we'll call it a day. In fact, the worship team get ready to come. Eagles have incredible vision. An eagle's eyesight is around five times that of a human. It can see something two miles away. It can fly over 100 miles an hour, and even faster when it goes into a dive. When an eagle sights his prey, even at two miles away, he will not move his head or eyes from that focus. He's two miles away, he sees a rabbit in the camouflage, even he can see through the camouflage. He, he sees it and two miles away, there's all sorts of stuff going on the right, on the left, but he keeps his focus and he never takes his eye off of the thing in front of him that he's going after. The Lord gives you the eyes of an eagle. The ability to focus when everybody else is losing theirs. The ability to, 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 to lock into something that God has 
placed in front of you and to go, nothing is going to get in my way. I'm going to get this. I'm going to accomplish this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk in this. I'm going to see this happen. I'm going to, as Patrick says, I'm going to walk and live by faith. I'm going to fly by faith and watch God do something miraculous that he's put in front of me. It's the eyes of an eagle. The, The eagle has one of the few characteristics of any other animal they can't do they can't do this he has his own set of sunglasses yeah, they have a whole nother layer of skin that falls over his eyeball when he starts flying into the sun as he's flying into the sun he just puts on his little you know eagle sunglasses and he just flies straight into the sun He's not bothered at all. God is the sun, likened unto the sun. And God is calling us to to be a people that can can, soar into his presence. To to come close to him, not not fly away from him, not, not do this from his glory, but to literally ascend and to fly into his glory, into his presence. And to enjoy something that no other animal, no other bird can experience. The warmth of God, the presence of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, flying straight into the heart of God. An eagle's eagle's different because of the fact that eagle Christians can believe God for things that others can't. Eagles can experience things that other people will never experience. I remember we were praying, we were in our 30s and we were praying, uh, I was praying, I, in my 20s, I was praying uh, one night with a friend of mine and we were just having some prayer time together and, and uh, man, I just, I was just praising God, walking around, just worshiping the Lord and just loving on the Lord. And, and little did I know that I, was, I had literally ascended into his presence. And, I, and I, then I began to sense his presence very strongly. And, and, I, and I began to pray the burdens that were coming into my heart. One of the burdens I had at that time was for my dad. My dad wasn't close to God. My dad would go from time to time to the church and flick my ear and tell me to sit up. But, but other than that, he, didn't, he really didn't have nothing to do with God. I, I, I was burdened for my dad. And, and I, I, I'm praying for my dad. And during this time, it just kind of came to me. So I just began to intercede for my dad, walking uh, back and forth in this room with my friend, just seeking the Lord. And the Lord just gave me this vision. I saw in this vision, my dad, I saw my dad, I saw I had, I was actually pastoring a church. Didn't know where, didn't know when, didn't know, but I saw this vision of me pastoring a church and I was walking um, up onto a, a platform and, and, and I'm walking up on the platform and I hear my dad, I look back, I see two pillars in this room and I look down at my dad and my dad is in the church and he's there and he asked me, do you want me to adjust the air conditioning? And then that's it. I mean, that's it. And I'm, and I'm, 
and I, and I, I don't remember anything. I'm just praying, and I, I'm just praying. I'm seeking, Lord, I love you, Lord. I bless you, God. Oh, I worship you, Lord. Oh, I glorify you. I praise, because the Bible says that we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. So I'm praising God. Father, I praise you. I worship you. Oh, God, I pray for my dad right now. Lord God, I just pray that you'll touch him. I pray, oh, God, oh, Lord, and I begin to just pray. And I, and I was so overwhelmed for his soul. And, and while I was just interceding for him at that time without even hardly any words, that's when I saw this picture. And I never forgot it. We are, years later now, fast forward, I'm married to Melissa. We're married, we're living in Baltimore. We're driving to the church. I'm on staff at the church there. We're driving to the church. She says, it's a cold winter day. She goes, you think we'll always be in Baltimore? What do you think God has for us? I said, I don't think we'll always be here at this church. She goes, why would you say that? I said, because I had a vision in my 20s where I saw myself pastoring a church and my dad was saved and, and there were two pillars in it. And she's like, I said, I know it doesn't make sense, but I'm telling you, that's what's gonna happen. That's all I know. She goes, so you're telling me all about our future. Only thing you know is that we're gonna be in a building with two pillars and your dad's gonna be there. I said, that's all I know. That's all I got. She's like, all right, whatever. It was a couple of years after that. We leave Baltimore. We end up in my, the town where my parents are living. Long story short, we end up starting a church. We, look, we go looking around for a building. We see an old savings and loan building, old bank savings and loan building for sale. It had been empty for years, right there off the square of the, of the county seat of that town. And so we go and we look through it and it's got you know, the old bank teller booths and everything and offices there in the lobby and all that. And, and everyone, everyone's like, well, this couldn't be a church. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. So we said, thank you to the realtor. And we went on, went home that night. The Lord woke me up. I went into the living room and the Lord just like that, showed me how we could turn that lobby in, of that bank into a church. Move this, take that out, do this, pull this out, make a platform. I'm like, what? I scratched it all out, showed it to the leaders. They go, yeah, we see it. We can. So we bought that, opened it up, turned it into a church. One day, it's a Sunday night, I'm walking up onto the platform. My dad is now saved, filled the Holy Spirit. He's there. I'm walking up to the platform, and I, my dad goes, son, I turn, and he's standing right there. He goes, is the air okay? I'm like, wow. There was two pillars in the lobby. People fought over who didn't have to sit behind the pillar. I said, yeah, Dad, it's fine. I'm thankful that God gives us opportunities to soar into dimensions that we would only dream of. To see things in the spirit, not in the natural. To walk in his presence. To walk knowing that he's filled our hearts with himself. Soaring in the earth like an eagle experiencing the thin air of God's presence. 
Moldova was there and Pastor Alex started the church there in Moldova. And he shared a story with me. He said, uh, so yeah, that building that's now our church. He said, you know, I, it came, it, it was empty. And, and so I went to the, uh, we have a picture. I went to the, to the mayor of our town. I said, I, I, wanna, I wanna talk about buying that building. And uh, the mayor said, that's not gonna happen. You will never have that building, never. It will never happen, number one, you're a Pentecostal type church, you're, you're not orthodox. Number two, it's right in the center of town on the main drag, right there by the, the substation. You will be the last person to ever have that building. He goes, okay. He's walking by the building sometime later, there's a for sale sign on the, on the fence. He's like, huh? He finds out that um, a mafia guy, a communist mafia guy bought it. Their church had been saving up for seven years to buy a building or some kind of land, something. They, they, they'd earned, saved $20,000 in seven years. He goes that, that guy, that, Mafia guy says, I heard you own that building. He goes, yeah. He goes, I want to buy it. He goes, all right. It's $450,000. This was back then. It's $450,000. He goes, I'll give you one year to come up with the full payment, but you have to pay $40,000 every month. He goes, okay. Will you take $20,000 now and we'll start our $40,000 next month? He goes, yep, he gave him the $20,000. He went home and was like, okay, God. It's time to soar, it's time to soar. I know you want us to, you spoke to me that you wanted to give us that building, okay? I put all the money we have down. The Lord said, okay. And he gave him this idea to reach out to his only friend he had in America, lived in Chicago, was a pastor of a small little church. He says, can I come see you? So he said, yeah. So he went to travel to Chicago and he said, look, showed him a picture. This is what God wants to give us. He wants $450,000. I gave him $20,000 down. We don't have any more money. He goes, can you help us out? It wasn't a big church. He goes, well, we'll help you a little bit. We have, gave him a couple of thousands. He said, I do know of a couple other people. Maybe you can go visit them. And he started visiting different people. Within a month, he had $450,000. Come on, somebody. Isn't that crazy? It's, it's like it was built by the Soviets to be a propaganda theater, to show propaganda. Two major theaters in there. And all sorts of these side rooms. It's the most incredible thing. They've done a lot already. We partner with them. We're building the summit there on the very top. That big window on the top is going to be the summit center. And that's where, that's where people that have been trafficked are going to come and get trades and stuff like that and learn how to get out of the trafficking situations they're in. We've already been giving money to them. We're, they're already starting the process now. So we're excited about, but the point is, there has to come a point in your life 
where you say, I'm gonna mount up on the wings of an eagle. I'm not gonna live in this chicken world anymore. That God's got something greater for me. This morning, my challenge for us, all of us, is are you ready to soar with the eagles? Are you ready to mount up on the wings of an eagle? Do you hunger for something spiritual and deeper and greater than the existence of what you've been experiencing in this earth? If there's a longing inside of you, there's something that says, I, I, I know there's more to God than what I've experienced. I know there's, there's, there's so much more that God wants to give me and has for me and I, I wanna lock into that. I, I wanna identify with that eagle. If that's you right there, what, would you just raise your hand? Come on, I know it's me. Just raise your hand. I, I wanna soar like the eagles. I wanna soar. I wanna soar. I wanna soar. I wanna soar. With that hand just still lifted up, would you just, just agree with me in a prayer? Father God, right now in Jesus' name, we just ask you, Lord, to help us soar. Father, we just making up our mind, we're gonna walk out of fear and doubt and unbelief. We're gonna give you, Lord, full control of our life. We're asking you to put us in those uncomfortable situations. We give you permission to do that so, so we can learn to soar and have faith and trust in you. We lift our, our wings today, our wings of faith. We say thank you, Father, you're calling us to something more intimate than we'd ever dreamed possible. That you're opening up our eyes in the spirit to a whole other dimension than we ever dreamed possible. So we commit this next week to you, Father. While others are partying and celebrating, Lord, we're gonna lean into you and we're gonna hear from you this week. We're gonna soar with you this week. We thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Our prayer teams are gonna come down. We're not dismissing. We wanna sing this little chorus before we leave that we used to sing years ago. I want us, our worship team just to, to sing it together. Can we all stand and sing this little chorus? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Can we all sing that together? Come on, all together. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my Open heart. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see
relationship with the Lord seems something foreign to you, can I just invite you today into a relationship with the living God? Can I tell you that today, in one prayer, you can know a living God, the God that created you, the God that made you, the God that knows the end of the story for your life. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I've walked away from the Lord, but I want to return to Him. We had six or seven last week that just said, man, I'm coming to Jesus. Maybe you want to just make that decision today. I, I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to let the Lord, I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to let the Lord be the Lord of my life. If that's you this morning, right where you're at, would you raise your hand? Say, that's me. I want to know Jesus. I want to make him the Lord of my life. I'm giving my heart to him. Surrendering my life to Jesus. Amen.